Good morning, guys. This is the Agen Podcast. I'm your host, Oliver Cordley, and today, Connor and Brandon are going to delve a little bit deeper into income streams. So today, they're going to be talking about investing. We're going to talk about stocks, index funds, technical analysis, and how to trade. So these guys, they, they've been doing it themselves. Again, really, really down to earth. We're not claiming we're, we're financial experts or making millions. We're keeping it tailored towards people who want to start investing and start expanding their income streams. Be sure to check out our website, ourgen.co.uk. That's ourgen.co.uk. Lots of amazing things in there. We've got forum posts, especially the uh, the financed investments uh, set section. You know, we can help out. We uh, we look at graphs, we look at charts, we talk about investing. It's an amazing community there. So uh, make sure you join it. Keep learning, get earning, and I hope you enjoy the show. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Ourgen podcast. Today, we're going to be talking more about investing. We touched more about this topic in our episode one, where we talked about income streams. And right now, we want to just delve into a bit more detail on a particular one, which is investing. Now, as a financial disclaimer, we can say that we are not financial advisors and we're not giving you financial advice. So just something to keep in mind as you listen to our, our story, if you will. Now, Connor, are you there? I am here, yes, ready. And, you know, a big emphasis on that, not financial advice. This is for, you know, educational purposes only. And, you know, anything we say is our own views. Uh, you know, me and Brandon do invest. And, you know, sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. But, you know, that's part of, part of the journey, I suppose. Of course, of course. And uh, so this should be a pretty fun episode for me and you, Connor, because this is something we're, we're quite uh, big on, isn't it? Especially over the Christmas break, what we, we were just... Uh, analyzing stocks most days to be fair we're trying to um invest that pocket change into something monumental yeah and it can definitely be quite a fun activity because you know me and connor often uh train messages saying oh look at this stock it's going to, it's going <laughs> up and uh you know we both uh, we both to the moon to the moon we say <laughs> to the moon <laughs> the very emotional thing you know because you get very happy when it goes up and uh, 100% and, and some of our stocks uh we invest in the same sort of stuff uh, we, some of them we invest in the same uh same stock so we can celebrate our wins and commemorate uh, sorry yeah commemorate our wins uh together and losses of course of course so. okay. So, Connor, why don't we start off with uh, one of your favourite investment types? you want to go talk about Yes, of course, yes. So, the first sort of investment type I want to talk about is a, a really passive sort of income stream. One I touched upon in episode, I think it was, was that our first episode, Brandon? I episode one. Was. Yeah, so, without further ado, index funds. Now, we'll talk about what an index fund is. So an index fund is a type of mutual fund or exchange exchange traded fund. And I'll explain the difference in a second. We have a portfolio to match or track components of a financial market index. And examples of these include the S&P 500, which is a standard pause 500 index, and the FTSE 100, which is a sort of, I like to think of it as like the English version, tracks the top 100 English firms. Um, an index mutual fund is said to provide a broad market exposure, low operating expenses, and low portfolio turnover. And these funds follow their benchmark index regardless of the state of the markets. Now, personally, I'll go into a bit more detail of what I invest in. I like to invest in the S&P 500 and 
the uh, FTSE 100. And I think to really get onto why I invest in those, it'd be good to look at my specific investment approach. Now, I've recently been reading The Intelligent Investor, which is a book by Benjamin Graham, I believe, about Warren Buffett and his some of his... Um, includes some of his principles, some of Graham's principles, which are highly successful uh, in the past. And I have a sort of defensive approach to investing, which is where you invest in more safer commodities, but expect a lower return rather than this contrary to like Brandon's approach where he's quite a lot more aggressive in picking out his stocks. And as a result, he can expect higher returns. And usually, you know, as much as I don't like to admit it, does get higher returns than me. But, you know, each to their own, each their own defensive and aggressive style. So, I mean, that's in no, um, in no, like, you know, well, what's the word? Uh, we're not trying to bash, uh, you know, defensive investing because it's actually a very great way to to invest, uh, regardless of the returns. Because um, you can often find that, you know, uh, in investment funds, uh, well, an index fund is a very reliable um, investment, mm. and you can kind of rely on the fact that they will generate. Um, what is it? A nine point eight percent average return? Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, I think this, the exact statistic is a nine point eight percent average over the past. I think it's thirty to forty years, and so that brings me on to the benefits. So I think the biggest benefit. I mean, obviously, a ten percent return is great, but I think why this works is because the S and P five hundred is the top five hundred companies in the US it's, it actually might it actually tracks 504 but it's because some companies have uh, different class shares but let's say top 500 shares top 500 companies sorry and because it's so diversified you kind of spread out your risk amongst the whole of the US economy in different sectors you know we think about 2000 when there was the tech bubble burst a lot of investors were left heartbroken uh, because you know obviously they have all these tech stocks and they just go plummeting due to uh, the speculative state a few years earlier and that coming crashing down. So this diversification can sort of protect you from uh, these bubbles and crashes. I mean, definitely. I mean, often um, when the market goes down, it, it works in pairs because when one market suffers, another one might be doing extremely well. And mm-hmm. the great thing about, you know, an index one is that it combines uh you know a wide variety of markets so when one market is particularly down you can safely rely on another one which is booming i mean use use the uk economy let's let's switch let's switch up to the FTSE 100 for a second now now let's take the restaurant industry the hospitality sector as soon as uh covid19 pandemic came around um, and we had this lockdown around the 20, I think it's the 23rd of March, if I remember. It, we, you know what? We nearly celebrated a year anniversary here, but <laughs> when it was around, around that time and lockdown day, the, we saw the FTSE 100 plummet. Now, had you just invested in a few hospitality sector firms, holding companies, you would have seen your returns be a lot less, you know, absolutely plummeting. Yeah. But then you think about the supermarkets, for example. They thrived. I mean, I might be biased here because I just work at Tesco, but you see, you see <laughs> the likes of Tesco going up, hospitality coming down, and those sort of in- industries counteracting each other exactly. to create some sort of equilibrium. So they don't plummet completely. 
it doesn't stop there as well. There's a lot of digital transformation companies which are doing extremely well into in the landscape of today's market. And yeah. I'm sure we can expect that airline companies would be doing uh well kind of horrible in the in mm. the advent of a, a lockdown. So they balance each other out, like you said, Connor. It's a very it's that balance which makes these so reliable. Exactly. And like we said, that diversification, and this is flashing back to episode one now, that diversification of income streams has really worked wonders. And if you're not going to listen to me, listen to Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett advocates the use of index funds and one of those successful investors in, I'd say, I'd say history. And for good reason. And for great reason, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, Berkshire Hathaway is uh, a really good performing firm uh, from a hedge fund. And that's, that's, I mean, that's a different type of fund uh, there. I'd say they're kind of like a, a mix between both they aggressively pick companies but put mm. it into a fund kind of like you connor kind of like you <laughs> yeah no no, no that's true, that true i know that you um you mix between uh you know defensive and aggressive yeah exactly so i'd say for my strategy i use both index funds and uh try and pick up pick out some companies are like you know elon Musk put a tweet up the other day saying that you should pick companies that that provide great services ones that you love and i invest in companies which I use daily. And speaking of funds, I'll just quickly touch back to that mutual uh, fund and exchange exchange traded fund and the difference between them if, if, if viewers out there didn't know. Uh, a mutual fund is a type of index fund in which you can only trade at the beginning and the close of business day. So that's where as soon as the market opens, as soon as the market closes, you can buy and sell then. You can't trade throughout the day. Whereas an exchange traded fund, this is one I use um the like FTSE 100 and S&P 500 use them on an ETF basis. You can have short and long positions, which means you can trade throughout the day, whenever, wherever, you know, I bought, I bought shares at um, two in the afternoon, seven in the morning, but I've always made use of the concept of dollar cost averaging, which is to invest the same amount of money in the index fund, regardless of the time. They always say time in the market is better than timing the market. So investing that same sort of uh, financial uh, lump sum every single month is essential to my strategy anyway. But speaking of strategies, talk me through your your style of play, Brandon. I'm sure the viewers love to. So uh, drawing back to that um, that book you've been reading, Connor, what was it called again? Uh, the Intelligent Investor. Well, Intelligent Investor describes a, an aggressive form of um, investing. And that would be a bit more be a bit more akin to what I do. So I like to uh, essentially look at companies which I love and I feel like they're going to do really, really well in the future. And this is a form of a fundamental analysis. I'll be looking at the company's uh, balance sheets, what they're projected to be, what kind of projects they'll be doing in the future. Are they investing their money and allocating their resources correctly? And are they doing any sort of potential partnerships? That kind of stuff. And well, also the, manager, the managerial scene is important for me, one for me as well uh, when I'm doing my sort of fundamental analysis when I'm cherry picking companies. I like a team to have like a good managerial uh, team. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the way um, people manage their, their companies and, you know, what kind of activities they're doing, it plays a really, really important role into, you know, how they're going to, what their projections are for the future. And uh, is taking all this information and kind of getting a f- 
an image of where I think they're going to be in the future, maybe in a month's time or even five years' time. And if I believe that they'll be doing well, then obviously it's going to be uh, a company which I'm going to be considering for my portfolio. And this is in the form of, uh, as Connor would describe as cherry-picking the stocks, which I think will do well. And um, usually these types of investments do often have the potential to do better than index funds because um, although diversification, you know, within an index fund is very good, uh, you know, it's a source of reliability, you can always count that when one market does well, another will do bad. And it always will bring down that kind of potential investment you could have made. Now, the idea of my style of play is that through fundamental analysis and technical analysis, you're trying to improve the odds that you pick a company and that they will do well. And if you got a wide range of stocks in your portfolio who are all doing well, then there's less companies which is bringing down your potential gains. And that's kind of where the, the value is brought in uh, for this type of investment. Yeah, because when you invest in index funds, I'll, I'll just shed on a disadvantage here. As I mean, you pick up the good ones, which are performing well, but you also pick out the bad ones. Now imagine a world where you can pick, just cherry pick those good ones and sieve out the bad ones. And obviously you are going to have higher returns. And Brandon speaks broadly about technical analysis. I mean, me and Brandon uh, over the past couple of weeks have been doing uh, some technical analysis on companies using tools such as exponential moving averages, uh, relative strength index and uh, MACD, haven't we, Brandon? Yes, definitely. It's, uh, it's something which, you know, I've, I had a lot of experience using in um, back when I traded cryptocurrencies in 2018. And I relied heavily on technical analysis and it is very, very good. It can be, um, it can be a reliable indicator of, you know, uh, the direction of a price based on price um, action. Like how, how will the, how will people respond based on the price action of a company? Um, but I've recently learned that incorporating fundamental analysis into um, your trading strategies is integral because you don't want to be trading a stock which has bad fundamentals and the company is just doing not great. Yeah, yeah. and exactly. That's Sometimes companies can trade at a high stock price and be completely overvalued. Now, I'm, I'm much, very much a value investor. I look for what that company is worth for its balance sheets. Like you said, that uh, typical fundamental analysis. Some people have this like FOMO, which is you know, fear of missing out. And if a stock yeah. price is high... They'll just be like, "Wow, this company's um, this company's performing massively well," but really, it might not be. It might be really overvalued, and we've seen that in many cases. I mean, I mean, time of recording for now. What date is it? Is it the thirteenth today? Yeah, we just had the I like to call the Wall Street bets movement, where we look at yes. GameStop and AMC and Nokia and BlackBerry and fundamentally if you look at the balance sheets you know I, I personally i haven't a lot of people are saying these aren't companies which are worth this much what the standard at the moment are actually worth less but a lot of speculation has gone into it a lot of people have rallied together through forums and pushed this stock price to 400 dollars. is it sometimes 400 dollars, and it's obviously not worth that when yes. you look at it fundamentally and you you've picked an absolutely like, great uh, example of you know what would the picture we're trying to paint because uh, GME was uh, an excellent example of something which 
the price does not represent their fundamentals of the company. GME as a company is just not doing as well in the current marketplace. And that's Um, why it was heavily shorted by many investment banks. Exactly. I mean, with uh, with a lot of people, you know, buying their games through the the Play Store or just, you know, through Amazon or or just any type of online retailer, uh, the relevance of a game shop is just... It's just not there anymore. And it is madness that, you know, <laughs> um, their value increased as much <laughs> as it did, a tenfold, 20-fold, whatever. And um, that's a great example of when you see a price move upwards, um, someone who doesn't look at the fundamentals and just looks at the technicals will be massively misled into just buying into the stock because of the price. Yeah, I had I had a lot of spare time over the Christmas period and was looking at just the technical analysis and seeing a lot of those, you know, MACD signals, which would usually signal a buy. And then next thing you know, it's going down. You just, you've got to have this sort of mix between non-technical and technical. You know, what's going on in the news? Has the CEO just been... Uh, just been found out he's doing something criminal you know that and but then there's a vat d signal which one do you trust yeah. you know you've got to use both you can't completely trust that's why it's important to keep on top of the news when uh cherry picking stocks exactly and um that's kind of the i mean the value of um this type of investment relies heavily on the quality of your analysis right so um, like what Connor mentioned before, you mentioned a great example, which you know I'm thinking about now, and I like it. Think about um, index funds as having a a bundle of companies, good and bad, and this kind of strategy is sieving out the bad ones. But the quality of your analysis, your fundamental analysis, and your technical analysis represents the quality of your sieve. If you have a bad sieve, then obviously it's not going to be <laughs> filtering out the bad ones as, as much as yeah. you like. But if you have a great uh, sieve, which is founded upon, you know, great analysis, discipline, and really just intelligent investing, then you will increase your chances of, you know, getting the good ones. And that's the value of this kind of, you know, that's where the value lies in this kind of investment strategy. And we talk about, you know, using fundamental analysis on stocks. Now, there are some fundamental analysis and technical analysis you can do on index funds, especially exchange traded funds. You can kind of use the same sort of technical analysis to trade it throughout the day. But if you look at stuff like expense ratios for index funds, you it really paints a clear picture why they're so popular. Now, I think the S and P five hundred, the one that I, one of the ones that I invest in, is has an expense ratio of not point not three percent. Now, if you look, I was speaking to a. Um, I was speaking to a partner, a hedge fund, and they said sometimes, you know, hedge funds can go above 2% mm. managerial expense ratios. And now index funds are very much for the long run. I'll be keeping my money and investing and compound and along with compound interest until I'm 65. You know, my, my portfolio is going to be worth a lot of money. And even managerial expense ratio being above 1% can hinder your results so bad and add literally up to 10 years of your life until your portfolio becomes a million dollars. So that's one thing you can look out for when you're looking at the fundamental analysis of a uh, index fund. Definitely. And uh, and I mean, another tip, which, which I would, um, you know, heavily, heavily implore that anyone who, who, who tries to do this type of strategy uh, consider is um, looking at the structure of their portfolio. 
And the way I structure my portfolio is very mathematical. So I tend to have 60% of my portfolio on stocks, which I believe are reliable and will reliably move forward into the future, um, regardless of the return rates. So these are companies like Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon. Like I can reliably, or they're the most reliable stocks in my portfolio, which I think will not necessarily make the biggest move and provide me the biggest gains, but I do believe they'll be going up in the future. And that like makes staple, like a, a the essentials, you know, bread and butter. The bread and butter, you know, yeah. Like you've, you, uh, you mentioned, yeah, you painted the picture perfectly. Your bread and butter. And that'll make up 60% of your portfolio. Most of your gains should be from this. Now, the rest of the 40% will be made up of smaller companies ones which you believe that have a massive potential and is currently massively undervalued. And with this kind of money, you're expecting that, although there may be a great chance for potential gain, there's also a great chance for potential loss. The market is very unpredictable and it does not favor, um, you know, lesser known companies. So really with the 40%, you're, you're in a sense, Betting with money, which you're willing to willing lose. to lose, yeah, and that's that's a key investment principle. When I look at my investments, I only invest, whether this be into index funds or risky stocks, I only invest what I'm willing to lose. If my portfolio went to zero today, which is you know very unlikely, I'd rely on the top 500 companies in the US and the UK all robust. If it went to zero, I've only invested what I'm willing to lose. And, you know, you, you see these stories recently, you know, I, as I say, time of recording now is February 13th, that Wall Street bets movement. People putting the life savings into right. something that I know nothing about. So I think I, I, that's a silly move. I only invest what I'm willing to lose. I mean, with every, everything, I mean, they had potential to gain so much. And that's the, that's the kind of, you know, incentive, to, you know, to invest your life savings. But you know, they fail to realize that there's there's a very big potential that you can lose everything which you've invested into. 100%. So you need to weigh out your risk and reward. Can can you afford yeah. to lose your investment? If you can, then that's great. Then yeah, like I I'd be willing to lose, say like maybe a hundred pound, two hundred pound. It's just, you know, uh, I've got all to gain and basically not much to lose from my portfolio so you know i would invest into a risky stock like that uh, mm-hmm. but 60 percent of my portfolio is not going to be full of gme stock <laughs> no <laughs> yeah no no of course and i think this ties on pretty well to you know we talked about our strategies like how do you decide what sort of strategies you uh sort of have as a person now for me i think a big factor into um, whether you should invest in index funds or cherry pick is the amount of time that you have. Now, over the over the Christmas break, uh, over, I go to university, so over the Christmas break, I had a lot of time. I had two weeks free, and I spent my days doing a lot of technical analysis, looking at the news every ten minutes, seeing the latest headlines. Where can I where can I place some money, which is you know going to give me some gains? And because I had a lot of time, I I could afford to cherry pick certain companies. Now, when I was back in university, 
I would make sure I use the dollar cost averaging technique, investing £500 a month into index funds such as the FTSE 100, S&P 500. And that's going to be my approach going forward, personally. Uh, it, I mean, if I get a weekend off work, maybe I'll uh, dabble into some uh, fundamental analysis. Uh, definitely. It's definitely a time thing because, uh, I mean, the great thing about index funds is that you can safely invest into an index funds and then just walk away from your laptop and get on with your life. Uh, there was that study by Fidelity, wasn't there, that um, said that dead people's portfolios performed better than people that are alive because yeah. they, the, the, dead, the dead people, obviously, they couldn't move any of their money and they just had it in all these uh, companies and they weren't tempted emotionally to sell when things were going down and so that's a, you know, buying and holding. That's a nice segue into uh, my second point into you know who, what kind of investment strategy suits which is uh, what kind of person are you? If you're someone who's deeply emotional and you have a, I mean, you have a lot to lose, I would not recommend my style of play because um, my style of play can be very, very emotionally driven. And I mentioned discipline before and it does play a crucial role because if you are the kind of person who will FOMO into something like GME and put your life savings into it then cherry picking and doing all these analyses is not for you if you can't control your emotions then you're doing more harm to yourself than you are good uh, and you are you will be better off just investing your money into an index fund and receiving reliable uh, returns year and year after year yeah, I mean, and our business teacher always taught us anything higher than the sort of bank, you know, the interest rate is a worthwhile investment. And, you know, with the rate of inflation, let's say it's 2 to 3%, you're losing money. Your money is becoming worthless, worthless. <laughs> because the inflation rate outweighs that of the bank interest rate, but it doesn't outweigh the S&P 500 um, annual return. And, you know, it's not always going to be 10% every year. Some years it's been 30% uptake. Some years it's been minus four. And I think a lot of people, when they see a minus four, will go, oh my, you know, oh my days, what's happening? I've got to back out. And that's letting emotions get the rest of you. Yes. You know, buy, if you're going to invest in this sort of stuff, it's long-term, buy and hold. And don't yeah. be affected when you log on to train 212 and see, minus uh, 50 pounds or something you know that's a uh, short-term losses which you know i can see why people I'm, I'm very unemotional when it comes to investing so i did give that to myself but i think a lot of people can be affected but it's, it's essential yeah. you know sometimes buy and hold when it comes to those sort of funds trading is a very emotional thing uh in fact i think it's better off that people on their first trade or in the first investment lose rather than win mm. because if you win, then you just set the expectation that you'll continue to win. And yeah. there will be times, it, undoubtedly, you will lose at some point. And when people lose, they, they do bad things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they make, make rash decisions. Because um, sometimes, you know, when you lose, you want that instant gratification. Like, I need my money back. Let me invest in something else. Exactly. It's exactly. like a, gambler, a gambler's fallacy when they lose. Two thousand pound on one bet in horse or something. So, so right, it's key to buy and hold. Provide some empirical evidence in this. I, I myself made my first trade with uh, Bitcoin, and um, my first trade invested five hundred pounds, 
and uh, maybe like five minutes later I got a hundred pound back and that set the expectation when I was doing my cryptocurrency uh, trading that each of my trades would be these hundred pound trades where I'll get you know a massive return you know within a month I'll be a millionaire and <laughs> <laughs> obviously it's not a healthy kind of expectation and um, obviously it, you know I control them I, I was very disciplined at the start but you know, I, I did fall into, a, 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 you know, a few stumbles and road road um, speed bumps down the line. And I've adjusted my expectations since. But I can imagine that people playing with, you know, 10 times the amount I did would presumably lose a lot more. And they'll be a lot more emotionally invested if they, you know, if they start to lose after winning such a big amount. Yeah, and that's why it's important to come back to that point about only invest what you're willing to lose. Now, if you, I mean, let's say mine and Brandon's salary is £1,000 a year, we may only be willing to lose £10 of it in investing. Let's take a, a Wall Street trader whose investment whose salary is £100,000. He might be willing to lose £10,000, but it's kind of relative to your salary. You shouldn't look at other people's situations and go, well, they've invested 10,000. I should invest 10,000 because 10,000 to them is not 10,000 to you. It's got to no. be kind of adjusted uh, to your sort of current situation. I see. I'm, I'll go back to that GameStop thing. Um, a lot of people are going, I've just invested 30,000. Now you don't know what salary they're on. You yeah. could be on 300,000 pounds a year. Whereas, you know, I'm picking up overtime shifts at Tesco. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, I mean it's, it's not, not, you're not in the same boat. He's on a yacht, you're in a rubber dinghy. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that analogy. I do love that. I mean, uh, I mean the creator of Tron, a, um, a cryptocurrency, invested two million or is it 20 million, you know, dollars into GME. Now, does that mean you should or even approach anywhere near that amount? No, yeah, because exactly. Tron is um, a multi million billion. <laughs> pounds um current cryptocurrency and and he has the money to play with certainly shouldn't be uh taking at face value for you know an, an average entry-level investor more than meets the eye and that that's the same as a stock price just because just because this stock price is this amount doesn't mean it's worth this amount is it overvalued? Is it undervalued? Don't take it at face value. Do what Brandon does. Do what I do. Use the fundamental analysis. Use the technical analysis and read the news. You know, keep up to date on things like this. And you'll become a better investor. And if you're doing trading, you become a better trader. Exactly. And uh, my, I guess my last piece of advice is, uh, you know, get on Yahoo Finance. I, I find it to be a, an excellent resource for... Yeah, no, I personally use Yahoo Finance as well. Tracking my portfolio and, you know, related news to, you know, the stocks I've invested to and, you know, just the wider market. It's a, it's a great piece of, um, you know, tech, which, you know, I, I've recently incorporated, uh, incorporated and I, I'm loving recently. Yeah, it puts it in a kind of nice graphical format for the beginner. It kind of lays out the balance sheet in certain fields rather than reading this hefty report and yeah i use um yeah yahoo finance and my brokerage this is again this isn't financial advice this is just my own view on things my brokerage personally is trading 212 i know that's the most popular one in the uk and that's the one i use uh, i know friends which use ig um and you know other people use different sort of tools yeah 
Well, um, I think that pretty much concludes. Um, yeah, no, it's been, it's been a, it's been a good chat about our investments and uh, sort of trading strategies day today. I mean, it's something me and Connor are very passionate about. Um, you know. <laughs> Oh, sorry, that's my uh, alarm. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, no problem. But yeah, it's something me and Connor preach about and something we, we heavily believe that people should, you know, get into. It's, it's mm-hmm. really a, an investment for yourself to learn about investing, funnily enough. 100%, that's why I think it's essential to read books about it. I'm currently in the middle of three in the Intelligent Investor, Buffettology and the essays of Warren Buffett. Uh, I don't know if you can tell, but I quite like Warren Buffett as an investor. <laughs> well, I mean, he's clearly done something right, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but, yeah, I think, I think how we should tie it off is talk about what we're going to be talking about next week. Sure. So next week, we're going back to that rotational aspect where we talk about tech. And uh, next week, we thought it'd be really fun if we can, you know, provide a bit more depth on that programming podcast which we we talked about in our uh, one of our earlier episodes episode uh, so two i believe episode two um yeah probably it probably is <laughs> and uh, we thought we'd give examples of you know what what coding a you know a, a typical project may look like and uh, we'll give our examples where we coded you know our kind of mobile applications for uh, different various firms uh, we've um, you know stuff like Credit Suisse where we develop a mobile application for them or, or other stuff and uh, we'll give you a bit more you know details about that yeah and I think, I think the Credit Suisse project is a big one because yeah, I'm, I'm not jealous at all but Brandon came first in that competition and I, I came third so <laughs> we, we can talk about our different uh, approaches and kind of look at the gap between why Brandon came first it was his solution what did he do differently and as two computer science students back in the day, we we, we know a lot about uh, sort of projects, you know, time lengths, um, the technicalities of everything. So, yeah, no, it'll be fun to talk about. And obviously another flashback back to episode two. So <laughs> without further ado, guys, I think that, that marks the end of the episode. I hope we've uh, taught you something about index funds, strategies, you know, who are they for, who should do it, and our own personal uh, styles of play. But yeah, but yeah, yeah, we'll uh, until next, tune week, in next time.